Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Berkeley Alumni Pass the Mic. My name is Jaquel Illy, and I am the Assistant Director of Digital Engagement here at the Alumni Affairs Department. And I'm Patrick Farma. I'm the Associate Director of Digital Engagement for Alumni Affairs. This podcast has been a long time coming. I started working for Berkeley around five years ago, and since day one, we've been trying to figure out how to put a podcast together for alumni, what it actually entails. Uh, and I know that some alumni have reached out to us through the years to try and help us facilitate that. So I'm really excited. Jaquel came on last year and we both decided that this was something that we wanted to work on together. So we are hoping that this will be a fruitful series of podcast episodes and looking forward to speaking to all of you. Just in case you're wondering how we got the name past the mic, I have posted many polls to our social media accounts, Instagram and Twitter, and tried to see what you all would have liked. And it seems like past the mic was the winner. So that is how we have came to this name. And we are very excited to welcome all alumni to participate in future episodes. So if you have anything coming up or want to reach out and talk to us, please reach out to us via DM on social media or email us at alumniaffairs at berkeley.edu. Series names are uh, really difficult for us to come up with. So it's really good to have an amazing community of creative people out there. When I first started, I was trying to figure out how to name some new series that I was developing. And I put one social media post out and got names for our first four series. So Thank you all for helping us figure it out. I think this is always a collaborative thing between the alumni staff and the alumni community. So we're really excited to to get this going. All right. So for our first episode, we have an interview with the phenomenal Pinar Tobrak. She came to Berkeley in 2000 and has been trailblazing the screen scoring scene ever since. She has composed for many big empires such as Marvel movies, Fortnite games, and most recently, the NFL. I think she's a really good example of the diversity of media that um, has opened up for film scorers and composers. Okay, uh, well, Jaquel, what's your favorite Marvel movie? My favorite Marvel movie, I'm going to have to go with Spider-Man. Spider-Man, that's a good one. I would have to say, I did like uh, Thor Ragnarok. Was that what, what it was called? Um, I believe so. Actually, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians, okay. Yeah. You know, if you look at, the Marvel franchise, they have video games, they have uh, phone games, they have um, television. And I think that's one of the reasons why the film scoring department changed its name to screen scoring, because there's just so many more outlets available to composers to um, to work in. And I'd love to actually hear from some of the film scoring and screen scoring alumni to reach out to us on social to see their thoughts about how things have changed over the years. Yes. And Panar is also a great example of someone who is so humble. She has obviously achieved so many things in her career. But when you will see in this interview, she is just so humble and nice. And she just, as we see her as someone so big on the pillar, she doesn't see herself as that. So I'm excited and very much so enjoy this interview with her. Yeah, she uh, won an Alumni Achievement Award earlier this year. We surprised her with a student orchestra behind a wall in the room. And at the end of the event, Actually, Jaquel had to open the doors. Which <laughs> it was broken, y'all. I, had to, I was struggling. <laughs> um, and so it revealed the student orchestra, and she was just so blown away. She was really inspired, I think, by it. We have a video of that up on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Berkeley Alumni. She was just so 
engaged with the performance. And as soon as it was done, she ran up to all the students and took her picture with them. And it was just nice to see her being able to see how the Berkeley community really appreciates all that she's done. And I think whenever alumni can come back and see the impact that they've left on the next generation of musicians and industry insiders and stuff like that, it was just really great to see. Yeah, and I really enjoyed this interview and just to have the chance to talk to Pinar. She was just so humble and I thought it was amazing to see and witness how she uses music as a way of storytelling. It was really cool to hear. Everybody, here's my interview with Pinar. Alrighty, y'all, we are here with the most fantastic and amazing Pinar Tobrak. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. That's a great intro. I hope I can live up to it. Oh my goodness, you are. I, I don't even have the words to explain how great you are. Um, so I wanted to start off with, um, what are your top three favorite projects you have worked on so far? Let's see. Um, film that just came out, The Lost City. Um, mm. I really, really enjoyed writing that score. That should definitely be one of the three. And uh, another score that hasn't come out yet, but we just recorded it. It's coming out later this year, Slumberland, directed by Francis Lawrence, who did The Hunger Games and whatnot, uh, starring Jason Momoa. That film, that score means a lot to me. I, uh, of course, have to mention Captain Marvel because it's, it was a turning point in my career, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, that was an amazing movie, but also just the music definitely helped bring the scenes alive. So. That was awesome. Can you explain the creative process you go through when creating your work? What does that look like? Uh, just like it, to be a fly on the wall and like, how does that process work for you? It's funny. I joke about it often, but generally starts with an anxiety attack, literally, because every time I start a new film, I feel like the last film I did was the last thing and I'll never be able to write again. That's it. You know, so there's always this sometimes brief, sometimes longer than brief <laughs> periods where I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to write a new theme? How am I going to do this? Um, and then I usually, my process is I try to kind of detach myself from it. The first thing is I try to get information about the film as much as possible. So if I'm writing something based on a script, I'll read it several times. Or if I'm working off of a rough cut or some dailies or anything, whatever they've given me, I try to just kind of download as much of the information as possible. Then, like I said, I go through my little anxiety and then I try to detach a bit. So that for me, that looks like maybe going on a walk or like doing something different, but my mind still kind of works. And, um, and then the first thing I write usually is the theme because I feel like once I actually figure out what that theme is, then I kind of unlock the, the heart right. of the puzzle, you know, and then I can kind of build everything around it. Um, and I usually write my themes either literally walking and singing because I do think that hopefully a good theme is something that we can sing and remember. But that said, there are scores that are different. There are more sound design and, you know, um, more texture based. And that's, you know, I mean, hum that that easily. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, whatever the main thing is, that's usually what I start with and then build around it. Do you think that because you have like an anxiety attack, is it the pressure? Do you feel like you can't top? your already greatness work, like how? Well, I never think of it as greatness work. I just, uh, <laughs> that's very sweet. But no, I think it's just a very, it's a very humbling thing to get hired to write something that you don't even know you can write. <laughs> you know, it's a very 
I don't know, it's a pretty vague art, right? Like, you know, right. if you think about mm-hmm. it, it's like, you know, you, you wake up in the morning and you create something that didn't exist, you know, when you went to bed last night. So that's the beauty and the magic of it. But it can also be, I think a lot of creative people I know feel the same, this pressure of wanting to do something that they themselves are proud of. How long does the process take before you reach your finished production? As long as they'll give me. <laughs> Says <laughs> deadlines. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes that's, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm hired on things with a really quick turnaround. That means start to finish is like six weeks or I've had films earlier on in my career. It was like three weeks. <laughs> um, a lot of times with bigger productions, you know, we, we do have a bit more time, uh, several months. Uh, Captain Marvel was a lot longer than that. I think it was about six months or so, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it varies. Education has played a huge role in your life. Can you share what are some of the key things you have learned that has aided in your success today? I'm a huge uh, fan of knowledge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, the way I think about it is you know, when we start out life in our careers, there are a lot of reasons why we shouldn't be successful, right? There are so many people wanting to do the same thing. There's, you know, uh, so the more knowledge, the more prepared we are, the more things we have in the toolbox. Mm. the higher the chances. So it's really a matter of statistics, really increasing our odds for success. So for me, education was, uh, one, I truly enjoy learning to this day. It's something that I always, I kind of get overwhelmed sometimes with mm. the amount of things I don't know and I need to learn. <laughs> and I think about, okay, man, I'm you know 41 now. And if I were, if I were to study these many scores every day, I still wouldn't have finished everything by the time I'm 80. And, <laughs> right. You know, so it's kind of overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. Well, that is very interesting and cool to hear. You know, like you're never too old to learn more and then to just to continue to perfect your craft, to continue to, you know, get these big opportunities to set these goals and open doors for future people. What advice would you give to women in the music industry? It's not just to women, it's to, to everyone, mm. honestly. And that's that's the thing. Why is the advice to women different than, mm. you know, to a non-binary person, to a man? I think anyone that is entering this field, if it's my field in particular, it's competitive, regardless of, of gender, race, background, anything, you know? I think it's it's a matter of really loving what you do and studying really, really hard, and just you being good. If you're good, people will notice you. So how um, would you apply that same type of advice to students as well? Absolutely. Yes. I kind of, um, I made a decision early on in my career. I basically ignored the fact that, you know, people were telling me, you're at a disadvantage. You know, how many Turkish Mm. women composers do you know? You know, and that was one of the reasons when I first started Berkeley, I was a performance major, not film scoring, very briefly. Um, and then the funny thing was, you know, I, I was getting out of uh, the piano practice rooms and I knew there's amazing piano players here. I knew I was never going to be as great as them, no matter how, and not because I wasn't capable, but because I didn't have that passion the way they mm. did. Um, and then I would see film scoring students and I'd be like, wait, they get to do my dream. Why can't I do that? Right, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I had this um, this thought embedded in my brain by others that you know, you're Turkish, you're a woman, you're just, your odds are so slim, slim you're not going to. Um, so I basically made the switch in my head. And I basically said, okay, well, I, I am no different than anybody else. Right. <laughs> I am not less talented, less smart, less you know, any of that. So 
it's we're just talking about geography <laughs> and you know right so it's like um so I basically ignored the fact that I'm not that I ignored, but I just, that wasn't a point for me. Right. You didn't that let that keep you back from achieving no, your goal. And it wasn't something that I, I never went into the room thinking I'm the only woman. Yeah, of course I noticed it. But for me, it was never a thing because I never saw myself at a disadvantage. Because if you walk into a room and you feel yourself, you're less advantaged than the others. People feel that. So would you say like some good advice would be like when you walk in a room, walk in like, you are supposed to be there, like, like you own there. it. Yeah, You belong there. You're not any less privileged, advantaged mm-hmm. than anyone else to be there. That's awesome and so inspiring. Um, so I know you talked about like sometimes you go on walks to kind of like help influence your writing. What else inspires you? My family <laughs> um, and, and sailing. Joe, I don't really do that much anymore. I should. Uh, <laughs> I've been a little busy, but. It's something that I really do enjoy quite a bit, just being out on the ocean. Mm. Uh, but really, my, my family, they kind of, they give me purpose and, um, yeah. Well, I'm very sure <laughs> they are very proud of everything. Um, so what are some things that you still want, you look forward to in your future, like in, in within this career? Do you have other goals that you want to achieve or accomplish? Everything. I think it's, I for me, it was never like, I'm going to do this and I'm done. I'm going to move to Tibet or something. You know, it was like, it's never, I, because I love the process, Mm -hmm. not the results. Mm -hmm. The results are hopefully if you work hard, you get the results. Uh, A bit of luck sprinkled in there and (laughs) you have to work for the luck. That's a whole other thing. But um, I think I've never been really results oriented. I'm more obsessed with the process. Mm -hmm. Um, So because of that, I don't really have, you know, if things happen right. because of the things that I've done, that's great. Um, but it's really just living a life filled with love and music and joy and hopefully the people that I like to work with. Um, yeah, good life. That is beautiful. So when you speak of the process, you're just speaking of the process of making the music or like the process of working with other talented artists. Like what about that? What about the process is what is the most important part to you? It's everything from <laughs> from getting. I, I'll tell you from this the call from my agent. Let's say that I got a job that I really wanted to get. Let's say uh, from that call to the first meeting with the director and producers, um, and my very first meeting with them after where I play my first initial ideas. Like uh, that's scary. By the way, that very first meeting, it feels very naked, like you bare <laughs> your soul for the first time with each project. For people to just kind of tear apart, yeah. maybe. And then you're like, okay, am I going to be still hired after this? <laughs> it was like a make it or break it meeting. Um, and then and then the most magical part for me is, um, it's not when the film is released, actually, because at that point, it's, it's, it's different. But it's when the first day of scoring, when we're recording. That to me is always the most magical thing because up until that point, everything is in my head or it's, it's mocked up, but it's still very much kind of, you know, almost like it's, it's, it's just lives in the computer, right. you like know, an idea. it's an idea. And mm-hmm. then when we were scoring the first time, you know, it's, it's a very, again, kind of a naked feeling because they play something that I kind of wrote in my pajamas and now it's being played <laughs> by the entire orchestra. Right. Everyone's hearing and, um, 
that never gets old for me. That's that's very magical. So like when it all comes together, do you get goosebumps? Like, whoa. Like, oh, yeah. I wrote like, this. Like my soul smiles. Oh, I don't wow. know. It's a really beautiful feeling. That is deep. Oh, my God. Just hearing you explain it, it's just like, I know I would get chills. Like, whoa. Um, so what does it mean being a recipient of the Alumni Awards Achievement? Well, Achievement Awards. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 an incredible feeling. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a wonderful acknowledgement. And it's, um, I feel old. Oh, stop. oh my god you look amazing okay just putting you. that on the record that's <laughs> very sweet thank you but you know it's just sort of i mean i i was thinking i went i started berkeley in 98 that's mm. 24 years ago and i graduated in two years so it was a pretty kind of a quick experience for me but um just being back and now i'm actually here with my family so my older son is here who's applying to berkeley uh next year so now living through it all and seeing it through his eyes mm. and getting this award to it's it's just surreal and beautiful wow. and it's just it's wonderful. It's like a circle, right? Like yeah, things a full circle. circle. So how do you feel about him coming out here? Is that like- I have mixed feelings. So, <laughs> so we we do live in LA. Right. Um and he's my firstborn, so I have attachment issues. Yes. <laughs> and he's gonna be all the way over here, the other part part of the country yeah. in the city he's gonna do fine yeah. though i mean i i think it would be great for him and there's, there's no place like berkeley mm-hmm. um ultimately he'll he'll decide what's best for him you know i i can only support him and love him and give him all the opportunities and he'll support and it's him. awesome that he's following in your footsteps i mean he's like look at my mom she <laughs> she did great things so you know maybe he wants what is he interested in He's a singer songwriter, so he doesn't. Okay. Uh, he's not interested in film scoring at all, which is probably <laughs> a good thing. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think. Like, I'm, I'm thinking. You know, if, if, if my one of my parents, I mean, although there's a there's a huge example of the Newman family, for example, they're all mm. you know film composers and they all did great. Um, <laughs> but I think it's a really good thing that uh, Noah, my son, he's actually into something different. He's a mm-hmm. fantastic musician, but we're not in the same field. He's right. really more into pop, songwriting, you know, guitar and all of that. He's, he's amazing. Do you guys ever work together on pieces maybe? Or does he... We jam together. Oh, but yeah. I like to keep it. And I, and I made that choice kind of early on. I never taught him music uh, because it's different when kids are learning from their parents. It's always, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It, it doesn't work. So he's, he's had teachers and great mentors and everyone has been wonderful. Do you have anything like any last like words or encouragement anything you'd like to add or share i i I have a lot and not many at the same time because it's (laughs) it's really um i think if you are listening to this um which they are consider it a sign (laughs) that uh you should go practice i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) um i think it's it's just just love what you do purely love what you do if you really love it and if you cho- chose the right thing and if you're following in it just just work hard and keep your heart and your mind open and things will come awesome well you guys have heard it from Pinar Toprak the amazing person right here thank you guys thank you so much thank Pinar. you so much all right, y'all. So that was the interview. And that is all that we have for this week. That was one of your first interviews for Berkeley, right? That was my first interview. And for it to be with Pinar, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I was very excited. It was great. I loved I loved it. And I think that this is, 
if we can keep recreating this magic Jaquel, I think we're onto something. Jaquel and I have talked about doing different segments here. And again, if people want to reach out to us and give us some ideas, if you'd like to contribute to the series, we would love to collaborate with alumni on this. One of the segments that we're going to try to do each time is to close out with a song. This episode, we're going to have Hydra by Trish's. Trish is an alum from the West Coast. And the last time I was out there, we did a little alumni live session in the LA office. So this is Trish's live performance of Hydra. Sparks in the dark, welcome to the resistance Mark my words with an asterisk Too old to be an at-risk Youth spilling truth on a napkin I'm feeling loose, would you fill up the flask with Kool-Aid news, putting facts in the caskets But I can't die I multiply Cause I'm gonna head like a hydra, like us up with cells, got life we duplicate and divide because I got a head like a hydra. Telling me go home where I came from I've seen this one before It's a rerun Symptoms of a sickness of a system Time swings back like a pendulum But I can die I multiply Cause I got a head like a hydra Baby, don't make me remind you Lock us up with cells So we-